Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Empire. Welcome back to the All's Caps Podcast. I am AP hockey writer Steve Wino, joined by former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. We will discuss today, uh, unfortunately, a, a TJ Oshie injury that's going to leave him out uh, week to week now uh, after taking a shot off the right foot last night uh, or Wednesday night against Detroit. Uh, Nicholas Backstrom kind of inching his way forward. Alex Ovechkin uh, kind of speeding his way forward toward that Wayne Gretzky goals record. Uh, and Evgeny Kuznetsov, the bird celebration's back, the, uh, the, the, the tear he's on to start the season. Carl, welcome back. What are you, what are you, what are you, what are you thinking about this, about all this right now? Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me back. This is, this is good. We're doing it. Uh, everything seems to be going along nicely with the caps on the ice minus some of these injuries, including, yeah, TJ. I mean, that's uh, it's brutal timing, right? With Halloween coming, coming around and trick or treating is going to be a little bit tougher. If, um, you know, all the reports are right that he's in a walking boot and crutches. That's, uh, that's just not something that you want to see a, a guy that brings so much life to that team. Um, it's, you know, it's really unfortunate. And yeah, him and back, you both being out two veteran guys, guys that, um, you know, the, the young guys have already said have meant, meant so much to them already. Just teaching them how to play on the ice and what to do off the ice and how to carry yourself. I mean, there's, there's pro- really, there's, there's no two better guys that probably that I can think of than TJ and then Nick. And so you don't have them in the lineup that that hurts you big time. So, I mean, you know, week to week is, yeah, it's not ideal. Um, I haven't talked to TJ yet. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's still going to keep fairly tight lipped about it, but I will say one thing that he, told me about an injury he had uh, back when he was in St. Louis that was supposed to be a, I think it was a six to eight week injury. And he was back in three, three and a half weeks. So if there's someone that can, that can push it. And I know how badly he wants to get to a thousand games, it's going to be TJ. So hopefully he gets back soon, but I mean, at the same time, the body gets a little bit, a little bit more broken down. Things are tougher to come back from. Yeah, and, and we'll, we'll speak with uh, Spoken Al Koken a little bit later about the Oshi injury, the Backstrom absence, kind of all the, 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 the kids that, that now the Capitals are going to have to rely on. But, yeah, uh, Danny DeKaiser's shot hit T.J. Oshi uh, uh, last night, about seven minutes left in the third period. And we noticed, noticed when it happened and, and kind of hobbling off, but he didn't miss a shift. He kept playing, and, and, and now all of a sudden he's week to week. But you must have had that, had that happen. Like, what what's it like when, when you're not sure whether it's just kind of like a stinger and you got to skate it off or, or kind of walk it off and you know something's wrong? Yeah, it's it's weird. It's, there's, there's a lot of times where a puck will hit you, and it at the time it'll hurt, but it won't be that bad. Like, you know, you come back and you play your next shift and all, all that. Yeah, in the third period, it's different too. So if it happens in the first period, you come in in between periods and you have a chance for, you know, things to kind of settle down a little bit of the adrenaline to, to wear off. And like a lot of guys do loosen their skates or take a skate off. And then you go and try and put this thing back in your boot. It's like not a chance. It does not want to go back in there. You do not want to put any weight on it. And sometimes these things just go away the next day. You know, it's a bad bruise, but it's still fine. You can, you can still jam your foot in your skate and, and get over it after a few minutes of skating around. And then there's other times where, 
you know, just something doesn't feel right. And, it, and, and you, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. Your foot swells up like crazy and, and yeah, unfortunately have to take time off, but um, you know, you don't, you don't really know that until usually the next day, cause you do have so much adrenaline going through your body. But I remember one that happened to me specifically that was in the playoffs or it was just a routine shot and it wasn't in the foot, it was in the hand. And I just went to go bat it down, you know, in playoffs you do anything to block a shot. And this one was just the wrist shot from the point went to bat it down. And when it happened, it kind of felt a little bit weird. And I was like, it shouldn't have felt that bad for, for what it was. I get back to the bench and it looks like a, like a golf ball has made a dent on the inside of my palm. And I look at the other side of my hand and clearly those are bones poking through <laughs> up and up and through the other side, not all the way through the skin, but up in this position they shouldn't be. And I'm just like, how the heck does that happen off of just a weird routine shot? And you see some guys take these bullets to the feet or something, you know, a, a slap shot to the hand and they just keep on moving. So it's just weird. Something gets you in the right spot and there's not a whole lot you can do about it, but but hope that you can play through it. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, if you're if you're on crutches and, and, a, and a boot, uh, it's going to be tough to play through something like that. Yeah, and, and our old friend Jay Beagle, who the Caps are going to see with, with Arizona, I remember he played that, that one game in, in New York against the Rangers, finished that game on a broken foot, and, and who's to know kind of where that season would have gone on those two face-offs uh, late in that game that you guys lost on the two power play goals if he had not played on a broken foot because he was trying to gut it through, but if he didn't have that injury, maybe he wins those two face-offs. Yeah, you're exactly right. And it's crazy when you look back and think of those things, like we talked about, you know, what, what it, what is it, you know, to how, how do you win? How, how, what's the difference between a team that wins versus a team that doesn't win? And, and, uh, and, and sometimes it's little things like that, you know, your, your best centerman that is healthy and can take a face-off and, and win that draw for you or, you know, a team just that that has injuries but not not injuries that they that they can't play through you know it's it's just weird how that all works so it's one of those things you look back on and, and think about what Beeg's played through a ton of injuries that guy you know put his body on the line every single night and I think that's why he's probably one of the you know the the fan favorites um, while he was here and and I would assume still just everyone thinking back to what he did for this franchise so you know I, yeah Beeg's will be Beeg's will be fun to watch he's always one of my favorite guys to watch and we always call him the defenseman's worst nightmare not only in games, but in, in practices too. We hated going against him in practice because he, he would never take a drill easy. You know, it's one of those ones where you just want to go through the motions a little bit. Not when Beegs is out there. Doss Beeg comes at you hard and he doesn't stop. <laughs> so you have to be on your game. You respect it, but but at the same time, he was the defenseman's worst nightmare. And an, an actual defenseman's worst nightmare is, is an Alex Ovechkin thing. And, and is, is him coming down the left wing. I remember in his prime, he would come down the left wing, and you're like, he's going to score here. And, and now it's the, the spot on the power play. Uh, eight goals in, in seven games for Alex. I don't know what's left to say. So what do you have to say about Alex Ovechkin? Yeah, I'm just so happy. I mean, I... You know, like last year, you know, things things maybe going a little bit slower than than uh, he would have hoped. Um, and then you look at a guy like Austin Matthews, who's just hot. You know, couldn't miss the net, scoring at will. And then you know, this year happens, and then things flip, and, and it's Obi back to doing doing what he does best. And and Matthews, who who can't quite find the back of the net. So it's just weird how how one season can go one way, and so much of it can depend on your start and how your team's doing, how you feel. And, and that can just lead into something else. And I, it's just, I mean, it's just so much fun every year seeing him, you know, get to another milestone or pass another name or a couple names on the list and climbing that ladder. This is, it's just crazy to, to think that he's doing what he's doing. We were, we were joking about this at the house last night that on this pace, he's going to be, he's going to be, uh, I think, what is it like second after at uh, the way that he's going right now, if he can keep something even close to this up. And it's just, 
you know, you, you want to be in the room for a celebration like that because that would be that would be outstanding. But yeah, he's he's doing his thing and he he looks he looks really good right now. Especially especially let me talk about Kuzi too. Kuzi's playing good and Olvi benefits a lot, especially with Bacchio right now. Yeah, and Alex Ovechkin, I believe, is 28 goals from passing Yaramir Yager for third, and then he's got to go after Gordie Howe for second. Um, but yeah, and then look, that, that Yaramir Yager thing is certainly within reach by the end of the season. If not, look, the pace he's on, maybe before the Olympic break at, at this stage. But you're right. Evgeny Kuznetsov, Carl, uh, he's he he's on that kind of start where you can tell he's kind of locked in. He, five goals, five assists, and, and, and a guy who likes to create more than he likes to score. But what are you, what are you seeing in Evgeny Kuznetsov's game uh, at the start of this year here? Yeah, we've talked about him, I think, every single week now because it's... That's a, it's for, in, a good, in a good way, we've it, talked about it. it exactly it's just impressive you know like he's he's being he's so consistent right now and he's not having those uh you know where he jokes about having you know maybe scoring once every four four games or whatever he's 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 just doing it and he's having fun he's you know he's celebrating like he's happy he seems to be just having a blast out on the ice and you know just like i said you start the season feeling good and riding a high then then you can continue that on and and he's doing it right now and you know, with another guy out, with TJ out, that just means more responsibility for for Kuzi. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't see him slowing down right now. I, my, my hope is that he just stays healthy and and stays excited, and the team continues to play some pretty good hockey. And then that way he'll he'll play good hockey, and then Obi will, and then we'll all be happy because we'll be <laughs> celebrating. So that's 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 what I'm hoping for. Going back to the to the TJ injury, who, who in your your opinion has to step up now the most? Who who are the Capitals counting on to make up for the absence of TJ Oshie? You, obviously, you can't replace a guy like that, but who needs to kind of step in in and, and step up? Yeah, he's pretty irreplaceable. I mean, I think Tom Tom will have, will will be big because you know he he can play that uh, that same position on the power play. Um, that slot slot presence is tough, and Tom's a big body and and can go to those areas and, and tip pucks and all that. So I think he's gonna he's gonna have to um, be very important for the team now. And then I mean I. I, I always think Lars is is kind of a, a bit of a linchpin. You know, the, the year that they won the cup, he was phenomenal. Um, you know, he's a guy that they brought in originally to solidify that uh, third line center role. And you know, I I just think that Lars is is a guy that can make players around him better as well. He can lug the puck, you know, from from the D zone all the way to the offensive zone, which is you know not an easy thing to do. And you know, a different skill set than than what TJ has, but the same time a veteran player that um you know plays the right way and and leads by example i think both of those guys can can make an impact without a doubt and you know making sure someone can fill in for for osha on that on the power play is is going to be very important because you want you want someone to take away the you know the pressure the guy in the slot on the power play takes away so much of that pressure from from ovi on the backside. And so if, if that guy is not dangerous, then, then uh, you know, teams don't worry about him as much. And TJ is so dangerous from that spot. The way he can get the puck off there is is just crazy. So, um, yeah, I think that I think that having Tom maybe slot in uh, and, and picking up some of what TJ does will, will, be, will be fairly important. Yeah, and you can't replace a, a TJ Oshie. That, that, that's pretty obvious. Just missing two consistent players like Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie, that, that's going to be a big challenge. And, and I think this is where we're going to count on. Everyone's going to see Peter Laviolette as a coach being able to kind of fill those roles, right? Yeah, well, without a doubt. Yeah, it's, it, you, you talked about, I think, uh, having success last year was going to be having depth. And the team has depth. It also has a lot of a lot of young guys that have something to prove. So, um, yeah, you, you you find you find someone else that can. You hope that you find someone else that can step up. Um, you know, my my biggest concern is finding someone that can still bring the life the way TJ does because he's always 
always having a blast, always, always making noise. And, um, you know, we, we talk about, you know, guy being a good, good room guy, good dressing room guy. And it sounds funny for someone who's never been in a dressing room before, never played a team sport, but there's times where you're in the room and it is just dead. And you're just like, Whoa, what's going on here? Like, where's the life? And then there's teams that are never like that because they have guys like TJ that, that just, bring excitement you know matt hendricks he man he was one of those guys (laughs) he always had something to say before the game he would go around the room tap every single guy on the pads and he would make some sort of joke up with your number so if you had a five in your number he would call you a wagon that was just one of his things and this wagon term has taken off around the league and so he'd come around and he'd be like yo two five wagon go around to the next guy oh here we go two seven quan two seven Go to Jeff Schultz and never forget Jeff Schultz. So funny because he was <laughs> he was 55. So Wags, uh, well, Hendy, we'd also call him Wags. He'd go up to him and be like, "Be like Schultzy, double nickels, you big giraffe licking leaves all day." And you just go on for like two minutes, just nonstop with Schultzy. Then he'd always end it with a wagon and smack your pads. I'm surprised he didn't break his stick every time. It was just like after that you would die laughing. He would go out, then he'd reference some WWF, WWE stuff on his way out to the ice and just like your mind was, was a little bit off the game, but in a good way, you know, like you, you were, you were way more relaxed and then you just went out there and had more fun. So it was guys like that. And TJ's the same way that you just can't replace a dressing room guy like that. Right. And, and we're going to have Matt Hendricks on the show at some point. He is the, the one kind of must we have to have on the season. But right now <laughs> we have smoking out Koken joining us right after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the All's Caps podcast. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino with former Capitals defenseman Carl Alser, and we are joined by NBC Sports Washington's Smokin' Al Koken, who has plenty of stories, some of them that we can get on the air and some of them we can't. Al, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Stephen, Alsey, very good to be with you. Good to have you, Smokin' Al. Anytime we get to chat, it's fun times. I was happy we got to go play golf recently and Man, do I love do love hearing some of the things you have to say. So this this should be a lot of fun. I, I, Carl, did, did you move back just to, to golf with Smokin' Al? Was that is that the reason? <laughs> Pretty much, essentially. Yeah, he, I came out in the summer and he told me to come back. He's got a good course in Norbeck to go and play. And uh, so next thing you know, we we got our tickets, bought our house, and we we're here. Al, yeah, uh, for- Stephen. When I grow up, though, I want to be like Carl Osner, be able to play golf anywhere, anytime. You know, get all the invitations. <laughs> that's that's what I really want to be when I grow up. That's living the dream. That's what we call living the dream, actually. Absolutely. Um, one quick hockey question before we, we go telling stories, Al. Just your thoughts on, on, on kind of the state of the Caps right now. Uh, T.G. Oshie out uh, a week to week to week with with this lower body injury. Still no no Nick Backstrom. Kind of where do you see things with this team right now? 
Well, when you hear week to week, uh, that kind of scares you a little bit. You know, you you always hope it's one of those things where it'll happen. Nick Dowd, a lower body injury, miss a game, and he's back in there. But week to week makes it sound like it's it's definitely going to be a serious injury. Um, and also, too, I, the Caps have done an amazing job of kind of covering up for the loss of Nick Baxter. I think a lot of credit for that obviously goes to the amazing start that you're getting because Netsoff is on. He's really carry the team in so many different ways. And then you've got the the young centers, uh, McMichael and LaPierre have stepped in and done a nice job. And of course, you know, Eller and Dowd are, are mainstays, but DJ Oshie has just been playing great. I, you know, I was, I got a cut called into emergency duty, you know, in case of emergency break glass when the Joe B got a little food poisoning on Monday in the Ottawa game. And I'm watching and doing play by play, calling 12 goal calls, three of them to TJ Oshie. And he's just been so good this entire season. And when you talk to McMichael and LaPierre, they, they can't stop talking about how much TJ Oshie playing with him, talking with him, the influence he's had on these young players. So that's a, that's a really major loss. I think the Capitals can withstand it. Obviously, Daniel Sprong gets back in the lineup, but I'm sure Carl feels the same way. You know, not only are you missing two quality hockey players in Nick Baxter and T.J. Oshie for a significant amount of time, but you're missing missing two leaders and two quality guys. Yeah, no, you're right. That's it'll be interesting how they how they bounce from this because yeah, Oshie's obviously doing what he does on the ice, but man, that guy is so much fun in the dressing room. Everybody's seen his antics. You know, before the game in the tunnel, before the guys come out, or if he's doing all this stuff with Tom on the ice and warm up. Like this guy is a heartbeat of the team, um, even, you know, just before the game. So you're right. It'll be, it'll be an interesting one, but you know, that's good. And that's enough about the, the caps right now. Let's talk about Al. Al, <laughs> we've been hearing, we've been hearing a few things. Of course, you got to go digging before you have a, a guest on and, and especially one like you. And uh, we got to talk about, first of all, you replacing Gordy Howe. Give us a little bit more yeah. information on this. Like yeah. break this down for us. Well, there may be a couple dots uh, removed from that, but uh, essentially home team sports uh, started up in uh, April of 1984. And right out of the gate, it was a pretty impressive operation that they were going for opening day. They had opening day for the Baltimore Orioles. They were going to have the first capital playoff game against the, in that series uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers. And then they were also going to do a delayed broadcast for the then Washington Bullets. So three games, and you've never ever televised a single event on on home <laughs> team sports at this point. So it was it was a rather uh, very ambitious opening day. So Mike Forns was the play by play voice, and Gordy Howe was the color commentator on that. So the Capitals ended up ended up beating the Flyers in that best of five series. And Gordy goes to home team sports and basically says, I'm not going to work the next round. It turns out he was really only agreeing to do it so he could watch his son Mark play for the Philadelphia Flyers. So once, <laughs> so once Mark got bounced out of there, the uh, you know Gordy said, adios. So in a, in a pinch, they called uh, Sal Messina, who was uh, a radio analyst for um, the uh, New York Rangers at the time. He did the next series and the Caps got eliminated. Then the very next year for the first full season, I got hired to do color commentary alongside the great play-by-play voice of Mike Forn. So technically I replaced Gordy Howe as the permanent color <laughs> analyst on home team sports broadcasts. Essentially you, you owe Gordy Howe for starting and giving you that start. <laughs> right. Exactly. I imagine if Gordy said, Hey, this is great. I think I'll do this full time. 
I'd still be probably slinging drinks in Georgetown. So that's uh, I, I definitely appreciate Gordy out. And by the way, quick footnote, side note on all this is the gentleman who is doing the um, between periods interviews and kind of hosting uh, the pre and post game show during that very first game was none other than Larry King. Uh, they had Larry was up there at um, at um, Memorial Stadium uh, and did the Oriole opener, which got rained out, by the way. So, again, think about this for home team sports. You know, usually once you've had a number of broadcasts, you've got something in the business known as in the can that you can always play a best of or a repeat or a bunch of different features if you have during a rain delay. This was the first day they were on the air. So they had none of that. So they basically had Larry King interviewing Anybody and everybody, groundskeepers, anybody they could shove in front of Larry King and the TV camera, Larry did. But then they had to break him down to get him down uh, from Baltimore down to a Landover to do the essentially the same thing for the that very first Capitol playoff game. So Larry King was part of that very first Capitals broadcast and then did it as well periodically for the next couple of years. That's that's uh, yeah. Well, so we'll, we'll thank Gordy for uh, for having you as part of the, the kind of yes. Capitals environment. There you go. Um, I want to get back to the Joe B thing. I, we, we know Joe B is, is all right, but what, how frantic was that for you to kind of step in Monday for, the, for that Senators game? Uh, it, was, it was very frantic. I get a, a text message from our executive producer, game producer, uh, Ryan Billy. And he says, uh, can you call me at 11? I'm like, okay, I'm thinking maybe it's you know something to do with the broadcast that night. And so I call him and he goes, um, we – just talk to Joe B. Uh, he's not feeling very well. Uh, would you be able to do the game tonight? I go, yeah, I'm scheduled to do the pre and post game show anyway from the studio. So I'll be there. And he goes, well, we'll let you know as soon as we know. So I kind of started to scramble around. I uh, had a couple of old, I, you know, I, I, I do everything kind of by hand. I guess it's the, it's the, you know, the, the nuns hanging over your shoulder at Catholic school, grading your penmanship that has me writing everything down. Cause if I don't write, if I, it seems like if I don't write something, I don't, I don't remember anything. So I started by hand building up game charts for both the Capitals and the Ottawa Senators. And then I get a, a text message from Ryan at one o'clock saying I'm definitely in. So really from 11 o'clock till the time of the game starts, I was scrambling around to, to get ready to, to do the broadcast. And of course, it had to be the Ottawa Senators who I hadn't seen in, in three years. And you, know, you look yeah. at their roster and you go, I think I've heard of this guy, but I have no idea who these guys are. You know, so uh, it was interesting to say the least. But, you know, working with with Greg Lachlan, I, you know, I did play by play for a, a few years and then worked with Locker on that. So we've got a great chemistry and a great producer and Ryan Billy. So it, they, they made it easy. But. I got to say, somebody said, it must be like riding a bike. I go, yeah, it's like riding a bike if you're doing it on the Autobahn at, uh, at, at rush hour. <laughs> it's, it just yeah. comes at you so fast. But it was it was fun. We're glad Joe B is, is back. But it's uh, I've had that a couple of times where I've kind of gotten the, in case of emergency, break glass call. And it's, uh, it's always a hectic and entertaining day. And we all know <laughs> how much work kind of Joe B puts into kind of preparing for these games. But Carl, uh, can you name, how many guys on, on the Ottawa Centers right now could you actually name? Yeah, I don't even know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe like six or seven. If I really, really right. thought about it, it would, you know, it would take me a little while to get some. But, but yeah, no, you're right. Things have things have changed a lot. And just remembering names. I remember talking to Joe B one time about how hard it is to remember names, and he said I think the hardest one he ever did was uh, University of of Hawaii and uh, some of the like Samoan names and the ones that are like five syllables long and 
<laughs> better remember yes. that. I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I don't know how you guys do that. <laughs> I was, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, I know for me, cause I'm just starting to get into some of this uh, analyst work here, but do you have a preference? Like, do you prefer doing stuff that's more in studio, you know, pre and post game, or do you like doing the play by play when you're actually in the action and, you know, especially when you can be at yeah. the rink and, and watching it, what I, do you prefer? Well, I, I love doing the play by play. And I, I did it, as I said, a few years, uh, you know, with the capitals, but I did a lot of uh, college basketball play by play, the colonial athletic association, American university, some other schools, you just feel like you I mean, you, it's really kind of your broadcast in, in, in so many regards, but it's also one of those things where you look up and you realize, you know, like two and a half hours just literally flew by in the blink of an eye. You, you're so in the moment, you're so kind of caught up in it. And it's, I mean, it's, it's an, it's an amazing thing. And it's, you can, and as much as you can prepare, and I have always said, particularly when I, you know, you're preparing for, you actually have more than, you know, six, seven hours to prepare for a game. If you get down to your, you know, eighth note on a certain player, you're having a terrible broadcast. It may not be okay. your fault. You're just having a <laughs> terrible game. But if you, you know, if you look down and realize I've only said a couple things about this player, then you know the action has been good. Uh, there's been a lot of talk, you know, to talk about. As I said, man, I had 12 goals scored the other night. So there's just, yeah. you know, there were plenty of action. And it's just, it's really a lot of fun. And I've always kind of considered myself a uh, kind of a great utility man. And I think that's one of the things that has kind of kept me in the business to a certain degree, that I can do a lot of different things. You can plug me into a lot of different holes. Um, when my when they celebrated my 30th anniversary on on the air, you know, home team sports, Comcast Sports, and NBC Sports Washington, and, and Brian Potter, who was a you know, PR director at NBC Sports Washington, came up with a kind of a novel idea. Uh, since I started as the color analyst and then went to do play-by-play -play and then moved to the job I'm doing now, he said, he suggested, he said, why don't we have Al do color commentary with Joe B in the first period, then Al do play-by-play -play with Locker in the second period, and then Al goes back down and does his, you know, between, you know, in the corner, uh, bench interviews, things like that. And it was a, kind of a unique way to kind of recap my career to a certain degree. So, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, I started the way, you know, Stephen does it so well, but I started kind of as a sports writer and then went to sports talk radio and got a gig on uh, channel five. The gentleman called me up, who was the, uh, the news director and said, would you be interested in coming down and doing an audition? Our weekend sportscasters leaving. So I did. And he gave me the job and that just, you know, it's been kind of one of those things where never really kind of plotted this out, but things have kind of evolved that I've kind of rolled with. And I think the versatility, be able to to kind of write. I wrote for UPI. Sorry about that, Stephen. No, no, um, no. You're you, a wire <laughs> service guy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And and you know what it's like. I mean, back then in the day, um, you remember the name Gordon Beard? He was a you know, legendary yeah. UPI, I mean, AP guy here in, in Washington. I was then, I, I would fill in, Mike Trilling was the main UPI guy. He was the uh, sports editor of the Montgomery County Sentinel, and I was doing high school sports for him. And he asked me, you know, once when I come down and, and do a Caps game. And I said, yeah. And it's it's really, Carl, it's, it's kind of amazing. It was one of those things where I'd never taken a form of journalism course at, at all. But so I'm kind of self-taught in a lot of ways. But one of the things that is kind of a tenet of the sports writing business, and Stephen knows this better than anyone, is the, you know, who, what, where, when, and why. That you, you, you've got to dictate a paragraph right off the bat that tells you all of those five things. And then... 
since it's a wire service, it can either get, you know, that, that single paragraph can get then placed around newspapers all around the world, or they can then get extended into five, six, seven paragraphs, how many ever you do. So it was a great way of kind of organizing your thoughts, but you had to do it at a deadline. When Gordon Beard was on the phone dictating his story, I didn't have any time to be kind of piddling around writing and making my own. I had to be doing the same thing because you're you're competing with each other. But it was great training then for then doing live television. Then when you know they come to you when it's a you know something unexpected has happened and you've got to be thinking on your feet. I always kind of fall back to those days as well. That that was great training that I never knew I was going to need. But boy, I was certainly glad I did it. Yeah, well, we all we all plotted for for Carl and I just to be doing a podcast together. That's just that's what we just all assumed <laughs> many years ago, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, before we let you go, Al, uh, we heard a story about you sneaking into a James Brown show in St. Louis at age thirteen, and this must be a peak a peak smoking owl sort of tale. Well, I tell you what, it's it was the very first concert I ever saw in my life, and if you've got to have a first concert, the King of Soul could not have been better to have. I don't know who came up with it, but one of my buddies when we were in um, uh, junior high, so we were in ninth grade at this time, suggested that we write to uh, the program director. There was a a, um, a soul station in St. Louis, K-A-T-Z, Cats, right? So the program director, I'll never forget his name, was it was a gentleman by the name of Robert B.Q. And so... My friend wrote and try and and somehow finagled to get us press passes. Right, we were from a newspaper in Kansas City, and he arranged to get us press passes. And we show up at the at the at the at the press entrance backstage door of Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, and the guy looks at us and goes, "Get the hell out of here!" And so no, so oh no, this has been arranged. Robert BQ is expecting us, and oh, oh, oh. and the guy says. You kids get the hell out of here, right? So as we were standing there arguing with them, the three women who were the James Brown dancers come walking through and they kind of you know see us going through this, you know, all these histrionics and this argument and everything like that. Well, the guy, you know, wouldn't call Robert Pigou, wouldn't do anything, right? So we're there and we're like, well, we're not gonna go home now, right? So we ended up going paying for tickets, right? We're walking upstairs at Keel Auditorium in St. Louis, and there's an upstairs stage door as well. One of the James Brown's dancers comes out and sees us. Now, again, I, you know, we're, we're a little, we're a little stereotyped. Okay. You know, three, three, you know, 13 year old white boys walking around and she says, weren't you the boys looking for Robert BQ? And we go, yes. And he goes, oh, he just came in downstairs. So we kind of blow our way past this elderly guy, man in the upstairs stage. She takes us downstairs, introduces us to Robert BQ, and he looks at us and just starts laughing. And he says, if you guys wanted to see James Brown this badly, come on back, right? So James wasn't there yet, but he introduces us to um, Maceo, the band leader, and invites us to come on back after the show. Well, as we're leaving, I see James come walking in. Now, he's Five six, he's wearing a full length mid coat, and he's got these two beautiful women on his arm, and they kind of hustled him past us because they had to get him ready for the show, which now was about forty five minutes late. But we ended up watching the show, and unfortunately, because it was so late, I kept calling my dad, who was supposed to pick us up. Can you give us another thirty minutes? Can you give us another twenty minutes? But we, at one point, he said, "That's it, come out." But we did get to see. Everything, including about a 20-minute version of Please, 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 where they walk him off stage. He drops the microphone. 
They put the cape on him. The announcer, ladies and gentlemen, the King of Soul, Mr. James Round, and then he knocks the cape off and goes back down and does a few more verses of please, please, please. The crowd's going crazy. It was the most incredible ex concert experience still to this day, and that was my very first one at 13 years of age. That is That's incredible. <laughs> I love, I, I love people who can get themselves into stuff like watching the guys that are sneaking into the Super Bowl and and all that right. stuff. It just it takes it takes a lot of balls to get yourself into an event like that. So pretty right. impressive. I mean, hey, what did we know at thirteen? Right? Yeah, you know, press passes of all things. Right? And maybe that was a precursor to uh, all the press passes I've actually legitimately had in my life now. You got the fake exactly what to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> So, okay, so one more thing for you, Al. We, we've, been, we've been talking about doing this for a little while. Um, you know, I, I follow you know, a lot of podcasts, and I love when they, when they just kind of throw a bunch of questions at someone and get some quick answers. Just some of them are, you know, kind of dumb. Some of them are a little bit, little bit more serious. But, you yep. know, just, just kind of quick answers here. And I'm going to – one of my favorite shows growing up was Whose Line Is It Anyway? And I always love what Drew Carey said where we all have fun and the points don't matter. But I'm still going to give you points for all your answers and see how good you do right. in my own little mental notebook here. So, okay, I'm going to get you at number one here. And I'm curious, what's your favorite drink? Uh, right now, absolutely. Good single batch bourbon like Woodford Reserve with a, a, a good, a good clear ice cube in it. All right. Give me some good points for that because I also like bourbon. Okay, number two here, because I know you like golf. What scares you more, a 70-yard pitch over water or a tee Ooh. shot with water on your left? The the seventy yard pitch shot because I I I'm pretty good with my driver I can guide that but that pitch shot my wedge it it, it comes and goes so yeah the the, the seventy yard over water okay I can I can vouch for that good off the tee all right number three what hurts more stepping on a Lego barefoot or stubbing your toe <laughs> stubbing my toe I said that for some reason <laughs> I've done that way too much so I've avoided the Legos so it's definitely stubbing the toe. You, on the other hand, I'm sure, but dodging Legos constantly these days. All the time. Okay, next one here. Uh, three best players in the NHL, in your opinion, right now? Uh, Connor McDavid, Alexander Ovechkin, and Andre Vasilevsky. Oh, I love that. Throwing a goalie in there. Smart. No one always, no one goes for goalies. He's always going for someone who scores goals. So respect that. Okay. Now, over, over your career of, of covering hockey, uh, who is your favorite player and why is it Carl Alsner? <laughs> because win, lose, or draw, <laughs> you can always get Carl Alsner to give you an answer to your question. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. And on a more serious note, who would you actually say besides of, of everybody that you've covered? Um, you know what? One of the And this is kind of along the same lines. This is when the Capitals were really bad. They used to bring Mike Greer out for post-game interviews or between periods interviews when they're down three more than I think any player I ever talked to. And I was always eternally grateful for Mike Greer's patience and his willingness to kind of take one for the team. So because of that, and Stephen can appreciate that more than anyone, when you need somebody, you could always depend on Mike Greer to be the stand-up guy. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tip my hat to Mike Greer for those reasons. Beauty. All right, last one here. What's so far the most fulfilling moment in your entire broadcasting career? Uh, it was being on uh, F Street the night the Capitals won the Stanley Cup and looking out and seeing what was already a massive, great, lovingly celebrating crowd and then looking down at the Metro and seeing at that hour of the night instead of people 
pouring down the steps to the Metro, people pouring out of the Metro so they could just be a part of the celebration. And there was no nonsense. Nobody turned over any cars. Nobody set any fires. Nobody broke any windows. You looked out. It was every age. It was every ethnicity. It just was a fantastic crowd celebrating a long-awaited championship in D.C. And I'm sitting up there on this stand doing live TV, looking out over that scene. I'll never forget it. And it was the greatest moment of my broadcast career. Beauty, Al. Thanks so much. I'm going to give you here a 78 points solid effort you set the bar no one else has done it yet so we'll see <laughs> see how you do but thanks thanks for participating in my little stupid game here i've always wanted you to ask these always. questions these questions Absolutely. always come at me so it's fun to give them to somebody else so i appreciate that yeah well I, my I, pleasure I, man you were you were the first at this you won't be the last uh smoking out coke and thanks very much for joining us steven Alzi, my pleasure good and luck with the podcast Thank you. Thanks, we, we will be right back with uh, talk a little uh, what's ahead for the Capitals in the next couple of weeks and months and, and some more stuff going on with this team. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the All's Caps podcast. I'm AP hockey writer Steve Wino, joined by former Capitals defenseman Carl Alsner. I know we're going to talk some more Capitals stuff as we go along here, Carl, but the, the story of the NHL is the Blackhawks investigation, uh, Kyle Beach coming out at, as, as John Doe. Uh, it's 11 years ago, but this is still something that's kind of going to have reverberations around the NHL. I know you played against Kyle uh, in the WHL and in, in, in junior hockey. Just kind of what are your thoughts on, on kind of what's been a, a really tough week in hockey? Yeah, I mean, it has been a really tough week. It's uh, I, I couldn't imagine going through a situation like that, not only as, you know, the the, the person, um, as, as Kyle Beach, you know, ha- having to have something like that happen to you, um, but also, you know, as teammates too. And, you know, it, we don't, it, it's tough to stay, you know, there's a little speculation. We don't know exactly how much all the players right. knew and, and all that so it's tough to say but as a as a player if something like that happened to somebody on your team uh, I, w- I would feel sick about about not have doing not have done something you know and that that's the thing that i'm sure some of the guys are thinking right now is is you know it would be nice if you can rewind time and and go back and help them because that can completely change the trajectory of somebody's career you know he, he was a high draft but he was a very very good player in, in the western league um, you know, n- not not much different than like a Milan Lucic. You know, had some sandpaper to his game and 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 could score goals. And you know, the the career arc just completely changes. And and whether or not uh, you know it, it was other things. You know, you can say he didn't wasn't scoring or wasn't the same player as he was in the Western League. Yeah, but the guy had so much going on in his head. Those are things that you just you know it, you can't really equate them to anything. It's 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 just a different mental mental state. Um, after something like like that happens, so I'm I'm curious to see what what the fallout's going to be. Obviously, some heads will roll, and and as they should after a situation like that. And yeah, it's important to focus on on the cup when you haven't been there before and you want to win so badly. But I mean, when it comes down to it, humans are more important than the cup, and and it's just sad that uh, that this has happened. But but good for Kyle for coming out and 
and sharing the story. It's, you know, like you'd said, part of, part of the process and, and hopefully you can turn the page and, and, um, hopefully open doors for other players that have gone through similar situations, not just in hockey, but all the sports. So yeah, it's, it's, it's quite the week. And, and it's kind of shown a spotlight on like so much of hockey culture is kind of like don't stand out, but I think it's changed. And I'm sure you saw it evolve over your, over your career that now you have all of a sudden, I don't want to say more kind of uh, emphasis on individualism because it's still about a team, but it, it doesn't feel like, it feels like there's a little bit of evolution of you realize that, that, that guys are people and that it's not just kind of a, a everybody shooting for the same thing, right? If they, like, have you, did you notice that as you're, as you're playing kind of more sensitivity to those sort of things? Yeah, and and I I've noticed it a lot over the last few years too and guys have come out with uh you know talking more about mental health and addiction yes. and this and that and that's that's something that I mean it it it's really really hard. Like this is not something where you know you 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 come to work, you'd work and then you punch out and you don't think about it. Like this is something that goes through your head all day long. You know, you want to play good, you're wondering why you don't play good. Coaches on you, fans are on you. You know, you expect more of yourself and then it just snowballs into something else. And and the mental mental health side is is so important. And that, I think, is why, you know, it's really nice that people are starting to speak out about all these things, because you don't, you know, so, so what it, it you know, makes you have to. Well, I shouldn't say so what, but, you know, you're going to have to talk about it a little bit more. Yeah, that's that's one of the things. But if that conversation that you've had with someone helps one other person, two other people, just because you've brought it to light, then that's huge. That's like, that's really, really huge. And we're hearing so much about it now. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just happy to, to listen to the stories so that, you know, I've got kids now. So if, if they ever go through something, then, you know, hopefully you can see the signs and, and help them out a little bit more. If you ever get into coaching, you know, there, there's so many different ways that it can, that it can, uh, you know, help you help you down the road somewhere in life. So yeah, it's, you know, I'm, I'm sad for guys that are that have gone through it and are going through it, um, but I'm also happy that they're starting to talk about it. So, you know, we'll see if we can get better. Absolutely. And, and there's obviously no easy transition from, from that to hockey, but um, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, skating in, 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 in uh, gear now, uh, not, probably not going to be back by that November 6th uh, date, date, but uh, how much are you looking forward to seeing Nick take part in practice? Like how happy of a day is that going to be? You know that probably from coming back from injury, what that's like being back on the ice, even in a no contact jersey for the first time when that happens for Nick. Yeah, that's that's gonna be exciting. He's gonna get a, a few stick taps, I'm sure. Everyone everyone will be excited to see Backy out there. He's he's uh, he's he's a great guy, to, great guy to have in the room, great guy to have at the rink. So, uh, yeah, they'll be pretty fired up when you get you get somebody uh, somebody with that you know that amount of leadership and that amount of talent. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure some of these young guys are probably so fired up just to see what Nick is like in practice and in games and stuff. So so yeah, it, it'll be it'll be good. It's uh, you know can't happen soon enough, but. You know the guys are doing a pretty good job of of uh, you know still still playing well and and being in all these games so picking up points while they can and and then when guys can get healthy hopefully the rest of the team also can stay healthy and then and then they'll be off to the races but yeah Nick is uh, you know I'm eagerly awaiting uh, uh, some some Nick Backstrom sauce passes to watch in these uh, games the uh, every time I think of Nick now I think of the great commercial with 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 uh, Alex and and Alex's wife and I really mm-hmm. hope Jeff Hopper's watched that commercial by now. Yeah, no kidding. That was a good one. You know, it's funny. Actually, this is it's interesting because I saw on the highlights, um, I think it was in Vegas with an empty net goal. Um, and Passing it back and forth? Minor. Yeah, the yeah. back and forth and, and talking about how uh, the one guy stuck his stick in right at the last second to to get a stick on it. I mean, that's something that makes me think of Backy too. And, and you know, not that he stuck a stick on an empty net goal. It's just 
the fact that he he didn't touch it. He didn't want to take the goal at one time. He'd rather just try and shield the puck and and let somebody else get it um, instead of him even touching it to get an assist or anything. And that's just you know just another one of those things that shows how how unselfish he is. And I know I could see I could see him shaking his head if you would have saw that highlight the other day. Yeah, that was that was our old buddy Chandler Stevenson too, who uh, was the Vegas <laughs> Golden Knights leading scorer. Oh, seriously? Oh, well, then in that case, yeah, he's trying to trying to get a few more goals. I don't know, but but it's uh, it's interesting to see. If Getty Dadnov uh, actually vultured that goal from him, Dadnov put the stick put the stick on the goal line. They kept passing it back and forth, and then Dadnov uh, kind of vultured that goal from him just at the last second. Like, well, I guess, I, I guess Dadnov's in a contract here, so, and and Chandler's <laughs> signed, so he should take it. That I mean, that's true, and it's 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 funny that you say that about contract years. When I got to Montreal and. Uh, we had a couple of young, well, we had one young guy, Victor Mete. And, uh, and I remember there was a couple of times where I was just coming off the ice as we scored and, uh, and he was stepping out on the ice and he would stop. It's what you do. You stop and turn around, and let the guy get his plus. And I'd always be like, nah, just, just take the plus. You, you're a young guy, you got a contract <laughs> coming up. I got five years. I'm, I'm solid. And, and every time any one of us, any one of us defensemen would come back, we'd make sure we let, we let Victor go out there and get the plus if we could. So it's kind of funny how that works. Do, do, do players really care about the plus minus thing? Because I know this has been a, a very hot debate on like hockey Twitter and hockey media uh, over the last like I wouldn't say ten years. Is that plus minus is a stupid stat? Do players still care about that? Uh, we well, yeah, I think they care about it because it's a bit of a stupid stat. You know, it bugs you that you can you can be you know that much of a minus or uh, you're, you're you know I've I've always been bugged that you don't get a plus or minus if you're on on the ice for a you know power play goal or penalty kill goal but you you do if it if the net is empty you know it's like it's the exact same thing why 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 is it different because you get some guys especially the offensive guys if you go out there for the you know we were so one year in montreal the first year we weren't very good and and uh, jeff petrie was out there all the time for the empty net and we'd get scored on a lot with the empty net and he took probably I don't even know, seven to 10 minuses just with empty net goals. And it's like, you know, you feel bad for guys when, when that happens, we always laugh that whoever's the the leading plus minus guy on the team gets the green jacket because of their worse, uh, their, their bad stats. But at the same time, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's kind of silly. You can, you can have absolutely zero effect on a play and still get a plus or get a minus. So I, I think it could, we could do away with it. There's so many other stats now that, that people are more into that they feel like is, uh, uh, you know, tells tells a better tale, I guess. So I don't know. I'm I I watched it closely because um, you know, as a defenseman, you're you you have a, a direct result in keeping pucks out of the net most of the time. So for me, I I paid close attention to it, but at the same time, I wouldn't be upset if it was never there again. You remember in 2009-10 that you brought up uh, Smoke and Al brought up just uh, Jeff Schultz. He was a plus fifty during that 09-10 season. Yeah, that was insane. That was the year Greeny, I think, had thirty, right? That was the year. That was the year Mike Green scored scored th- scored nineteen goals that year. Ovi scored oh, okay. fifty. Alex Seven had forty. Okay, yeah, everyone was scoring. You Every, get one. Literally get everyone. One. Everyone was scoring. Yeah, no, that was huge. I think Schulte signed a, a big ticket right after that too, and that's. I mean, it, it's something that can really help guys if if it's good. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just a weird stat. But that was. A, I remember that was a, that was a really fun year for the Caps. I'm sure everybody liked it. That was like height of the cardiac caps no like when oh, yeah. when games were like six five six four and it always came down to the end like get up get up four nothing in the first period and then shut it down and just ride it out until the last five minutes of the game yeah 
Good times. Yeah, and, and for those of those of you who don't know, Carl Alsner was a plus twenty three in his contract here with the Capitals to to get that Montreal deal. Yeah, it helps. <laughs> it, does, <laughs> it, it doesn't it hurt. Can help. Yeah, uh, if you're on a good team that scores, it helps. Yes. Uh, one more thing before we before we wrap up here, uh, the loss to Detroit in, in overtime on Wednesday night. Just going into the Coyotes game and beyond, what are you looking for out of this team? Kind of re, kind of rebounding from that, the OT loss I, I, against Calgary. What what are you looking to see out of this team in the coming days and weeks here? Well, I think something that's been interesting just in the last few games, it's you know the team's been starting pretty good. You know the the starts the starts have been sure. nice for the most part, getting goals and. And uh, you know the forecheck, the forecheck against Ottawa in that first period was just out of this world. I, it, it looked awful to be defenseman on the Senators that that first period, and they they were doing everything right. It was just waves of guys spreading the zone out. It was it was huge. So seeing more of that, but then also trying to trying to bring that into the second period and the third period, it seems to be maybe a little bit of the the foot off the gas um happening right now in the in the second and third and not not a ton but enough enough to get to let teams back in and then looking breaking down a few more things like face-offs just in the last two games it was what was it, i think 38 percent against ottawa the, for uh, sure yes ottawa yeah and then it was much better 44 percent uh, against detroit like those are things that just they need to be a little bit better and yeah guys are out like nick is out and he's a good face-off guy but uh, but yeah, you, you need to you need to start with the puck. A team that can play with you know with possession and and hold on to the puck as good as as the Caps the Caps do, they need to have the puck a little bit more. So that's something that I think is going to have to change. But but yeah, it's it's tough when you get out get out to a lead. You know, you really want to be able to just you know step on the throat and not not have them come back. But they're finding ways to to let teams back in a little bit, and uh, you know that 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 will hurt. But that can also change. You you just you know you you feel a little you you rest a little bit when when you're up by by three or four goals, and it, it's just hard to get yourself out of that mindset. But I think that will that will help them quite a bit. Yeah, and and a big test coming up uh, games at the Tampa Lightning, and we don't know who's coaching them, but the Florida Panthers next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us. If they let us keep doing this, Carl, we'll, we'll talk to you next week on All Caps. All right, sounds good. Thanks. <laughs>